Hello, hello. What is up, my beautiful peeps? I'm excited about this. I'm kind of nervous talking about this. Talking about, (laughs) I just wrote the description in the Facebook Live thing. Hit the go go live button, and all of a sudden, I just started kind of laughing at the fact that I'm actually talking about this stuff. I can't believe that I'm actually talking about this stuff. I was trained as a chiropractor. So what business do I have talking about parenting and shame? <laughs> because <laughs> talking about parenting and shame today, and I want to help demystify this and help awaken awaken you if you're a parent um, to what potentially you could be unknowingly doing uh, to your kid because everybody, especially if you're listening to my content, it's because you want to be more conscious in your life. You wouldn't be listening to this if you didn't have a desire to have more conscious awareness in your life. That's why you're here. So if you found yourself in my kind of container, you're in my container right now. If you're in my container, it's because you want to be, you you might be single, but you might have kids, you might, you know, but you want to be a more conscious parent. And so when you really get what I'm about to say, um, hopefully it, it might trigger you. So I really want you to pay attention to what's happening in your body as you're listening to this conversation. And please do give me the feedback because I'm very curious you know, as far as engagement goes, I really prefer a live audience because I can feel you and I can see your, you know, facial expressions. It really gives me a lot of information as to it's a two way conversation. So I really want you to engage with me and let me know what comes up in your body as I'm sharing this with you, because I never imagined myself talking about this. I'm a chiropractor and I discovered that people coming in to see me, uh, I retired this year in my 20th year of practice because I realized about 10 years ago, everybody coming to see me was coming in for a stress-related problem. And so I started teaching about stress because that was the level that I was at. I was like, oh, chiropractor, neck pain, back pain, general vitality, health and vitality, um, you know, expansion of energy, people who are generally sick and nervous systems, you know, not really working well. And my job was to get them better. And then I make a discovery. Stress is what brings most people in to visit any doctor or healthcare provider or coach or whatever. And so when I discovered that about stress, I realized that I wanted to um, actually be the one to help get to the root cause. So I was like, hey, the root cause is stress. But the interesting thing was the deeper I went in my own healing, I realized that stress, most stresses come from like ruptured attachments. All right, ruptured attachments. And so what does that mean? It means think of the relationships in your life. And when you have a breakdown in them, you experience a stress Because the attachment, especially if you're attached to this person and you actually give a shit about this person, when you have a rupture with them is any argument, any what they call in somatic work, misattunement. If that's happening, you experience a distress reaction. You go to fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. You know, this is all childhood wounding. This is all kind of patterns and cycles since you were a little baby. And so here you are with them now and they're showing up. And then these ruptured attachments from the relationships that have broken down cause stress, which then lead to illness, problems, general low vitality. Think of anything, chronic problems, digestion, immune um, you know, chronic pain. We see all of it, like fibromyalgia, like they're the ones that come in and they realize, wow, I've done everything, but I never went really upstream to these ruptured attachments. When we look at these ruptured attachments, breakup, separation, we have so many people asking questions about, you know, dating and this person that I'm seeing or my husband, this and that. And, and so there's, there's usually, what stresses you out is ruptured attachments. And so 
these ruptured attachments aren't new. These, these, they're not new experiences. They are uh, something that you've been carrying in your body since you were a child. So naturally, as I went deeper into my own healing, I had to go further and further upstream. And it, my, I realized that I had been totally missing out um, of my healing because I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. I went through a divorce. I went through one relationship challenge after another and I was stilling staying on the cognitive level to kind of do my my inner work was you know cognitive you know changing the story around and then I realized holy shit as I kept going upstream I realized it all comes down to a ruptured attachment within ourselves eureka every sing and I realized and I started listening to patterns every single person that dms me Every single person that's dealing with a challenge, a relationship issue, a, should I stay or go? They literally are dealing with everything that I was struggling with. And not only am I the president, I'm also a client. So I decided I wanted to teach people how, how to get to the root cause. And so here I am now having a conversation about shaming and parenting. I never thought I would be talking about that. I turned 46 in a couple of weeks and uh, <clears throat> I have a beautiful son who's almost 14 months old and I'm learning so much about parenting and I'm super duper grateful that, you know, even though I'm late and I had a one-year-old, I'm grateful that I, this second time around, because I'm divorced, in the second half of my life, I'm starting kind of from scratch, it's kind of like a after you go through your midlife experience, whatever that was for you, you have a second chance if you play your cards right, what I've discovered, and learn how to use what you learned from the first half of the journey to your advantage and pick up the skills you never learned in that first half of the journey that kind of caused you to survive. You know, you, you, you learned how to survive, but those same survival mechanisms from childhood, they don't work. Uh, they don't serve the same purpose in your relationships in the second half of life. And in, in other words, there's some unlearning that we must do if we want to have a different experience in the second half of life. And so when I looked at that and I looked at myself, I realized, wow, I was the product of intergenerational trauma. And because of those unresolved attachment traumas of how I was born through my, you know, childhood and adolescence and all the experience that I had with oppression, with sexuality, with religion, <clears throat> they shaped who I am. And trauma does not necessarily have to have a capital T trauma. I spoke to somebody today. He was like, I didn't really have a lot of trauma. I had small T trauma, lots of those. And I'm going to explain what that is. But it was just one big T trauma that I think about like every week, you know, and he's dealing with depression and addictions. And his mother has um, mental illness and <clears throat> he does comedy now because that's, you know, kind of like Billy Crystal. He loved to make his mom laugh because she had mental illness. And so now he's a comedian. He's going into... Uh, psychotherapy and, and learning how to be a therapist. And so it's kind of, you know, it's just an interesting dude that I just met. And so I thought, okay, uh, he said, I have a lot of small T traumas. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do a Facebook live about this because every, after, after listening to this, after hearing this, you're going to actually realize that it's actually almost impossible uh, if you were born today, uh, if you were born in the last, you know, 50 years, it's impossible to not have, to be at the effect of some form of trauma. So today I'm going to talk about a little T trauma called shame. Shame, big T trauma, you know, physical violence, um, you know, it hurts. It hurts for a while. You might have some bruises, sexual stuff, you know, but it's the, and, and they leave their mark, Right. But you can also experience little T traumas, like little by little on a consistent basis, enough times that it actually uh, results in a shifting of your nervous system state to becoming more kind of like 
what we call into a fighter, a, a freeze response, right? Shame is the experience of thinking that you're bad. Like there's some badness in you, you know, deep down in your core, you have badness to you. And so this comes from parents who really mean well. And so I want you to pay attention to what comes up, what triggers come up for you in this conversation. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I would love to hear it. Uh, just share in the, in the comments. Also share where you're uh, listening from because I'm curious where our community is. And if you're brand new, hey, welcome. I'm a chiropractor who turned into an interpersonal trauma specialist so that I could figure out why my relationships weren't working. R discovered what it was, went upstream, shifted the story, not just cognitively, but finally for the first time I shifted it in my body and now I've been able to break that cycle of intergenerational trauma and create a secure relationship. That's a really great indicator of how well our trauma healing work is, is that we feel safer in relationships. Before this work, I... You know, my relationships were pretty transactional. My relationships with men were not great. My relationships with my parents, uh, it was based on, you know, hiding because of shame. And for a good reason, I'm going to explain to you the five unconscious shaming tactics that parents use um, unconsciously with all the right intentions, which is to have you behave and be good. Um, so that, you know, for, for, so that so that they don't have to you know because because they live they were raised in a world that um belonging and having you know so because our we're hardwired for social engagement and social interaction so if if we suffer there is a great deal of suffering in your biology to suffer the detachment from um the the, the detachment from belonging from the, from the collective, right? So the social norms, right? So especially if you're Indian, if you're, you know, East Indian, Indian, uh, if you're Persian, if you're Asian, <laughs> Greek, <laughs> Italian, I usually use um, cultures where s society and, and, and family dynamics, Arab, like where family enmeshment is big, where, you know, it's all about, you know, fitting in and belonging and having everyone's approval because not having it meant, you know, withdrawing of love and not belonging. So it's, it's a threat to our nervous system to not belong. And so unconsciously, because we know this and we were raised this way, if we don't get this right, we will unconsciously use these strategies to raise our children. And I'm committed that my one-year-old does not have the experience of being shamed with one of these five common shaming tactics. So I'm going to write them down and I want you to tell me if you resonate with any of them, any of them, which one of these relate to you the most. I want to know uh, which one of these sh shaming strategies or whatever, um, which one resonates the most. And I, and I'm going to write them down. Those of you who are on, I'm not sure if you can hear me properly over there on, uh, Clubhouse, I have a Clubhouse chat going on, so I'm just trying it on simultaneously, a Facebook Live. JJ, I see that you're there. If you want to jump on Facebook Live and watch, let me know if you can hear it. You know, I'm just trying it on. So this is just a test for Clubhouse, but I want, you, I want to go over these five shaming, um, parenting with shame. So the real reason why uh, sh these shaming strategies happen is, uh, let me see, there it is. The real reason is um, obedience. Why do we? Why are? Why do parents raise with shame? It's because of obedience. Because we can get, uh, especially if they were parented that way, they were parented with uh, shaming. You know, uh, and I'm going to give the five in a, in a moment. Um, but uh, tell me which one predominates for you. So the sh shaming strategy number one. Welcome to the Trigger Proof Podcast. My name is Dr. Nima Romani. And while I was in lockdown during a COVID self-induced hmm. take two. Welcome to the Trigger Proof Podcast.
My name is Dr. Nima Romani, and this concept of doing these trigger-proof transmissions happened in the midst of a quarantine, a self-induced quarantine that I was in for two weeks after I came back from my trip from Thailand to a world that completely changed right in front of me. And as the world was starting to crumble, I decided to do Facebook Lives. I created a Facebook community called Trigger Proof and came on live each and every day to give tools to regulate the autonomic nervous system, to connect people back to themselves at a time where the world was starting to drop down into crisis. Relationships were starting to crumble people's mental states and mental health and well-being started to unravel. And I was bored <laughs> and I decided to do these uh, Facebook Lives and they were very menial. I mean, there was no recording equipment except just my laptop computer. Um, they're all, you know, Facebook Lives that you can find on YouTube if you wanted to search it out. but. Soon after, a few of my clients thought that these Facebook Lives were very helpful, helpful because I answered people's questions. Uh, I did a lot of Q&A. Um, you can actually hear me talking to people who've been commenting. So it's a very, um, you know, unprofessional, uh, completely kind of fly by the seat of uh, my pants responses and kind of um, trainings that I just came up with to be helpful and helpful, not just to the people listening, <clears throat> but also helpful to myself. And after a few weeks, I decided to continue on with them. So in our first season of the Trigger Proof Transmissions, the Trigger Proof Podcast, these are my hundred and some odd transmissions from the first season from be, as COVID was beginning till uh, middle of 2021. So I decided to put them together in the form of a podcast and let you know that anything, any time uh, is a good time to learn how to regulate your autonomic nervous system and how to look at our relationships differently, relationships with ourselves, relationships with others, with our family. The goal of becoming trigger-proof is really to create uh, secure relationships. The secret to secure relationships is to develop a deeper relationship with the self. And this is what I try to uh, express these trainings in these trainings and in the teachings that I do and the trainings that I'm training myself. So I teach what I most needed to learn and I invite you to go deeper. And if things, you know, if things resonate, if things are resonating with you and you want to learn more how to become the active operator of your nervous system, I do recommend you follow the links and you actually show up and do the work with us if you feel called. But these are a gift uh, that I wanted my, uh, you know, audience was asking to be put into a podcast format so you can listen while you're driving or uh, you know, working out or shopping or whatever to keep your mind constantly engaged in the conversation. So uh, I look forward to any feedback. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, recommend, uh, review, uh, and share this with people you think that really need it. The ranges of conversation go from uh, autonomic nervous system regulation, healing our anxiety, creating secure relationships, dismantling codependency, and feeling safe in your body, connected to purpose, being able to emotionally regulate and deepening intimacy. We'll see you at the next perfect time. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Become, becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means learning 
how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. I'm just gonna, number one. Number one is the no, is, is called no better shame. No better. No better. So in other words, you should know better. If you have this belief and you kind of have this in your body and you see your child, they react to you or you experience, you should know better. You should know better. In other words, what will happen is the kid then doesn't realize that, you know, they're not allowed to make mistakes. So then what happens is if you were raised with the belief, the core belief that a parent had was you should know better, what will happen is you will then interpret that mistakes mean that I'm bad. So I can't make mistakes, right? And so what happens is you will then start to find perfectionistic strategies. And like, for example, working with somebody who has this kind of small T shame, and maybe it was, you should know better and I'm gonna start pounding on you. If you, you had the small T trauma, you should know better shaming and then violence added onto that now, which is what this one person did. Uh, she, she used to work for me when she would make a mistake and I would tell her, I'd say, Hey, you know, there was a huge reaction. She would just get triggered and she would just burst into tears. And if you've ever had that experience where, you know, at a, at the workplace, this is, becomes very disruptive to, to your work environment because you, we, we all make mistakes. I mean, making mistakes is part of the game, right? And so making mistakes when I'm doing a Facebook Live, making mistakes when I'm in a relationship, making mistakes as a parent, if I don't allow myself to make these mistakes because of this unresolved shame that's deep in my body, because I was shamed, then when I'm a parent, I see a kid, my kid, I'll say, you should know better. And the truth is, is that I'm now reflecting to my kid, my son, Dominic, let's say I turn to him, I go, Dominic, you should know better. What I'm doing is I'm downloading my intergenerational, perfectionistic, self-abandoning um, trauma that came from being shamed from a parent who himself was at the effect of the exact same thing no better is you know the internal voice that i should know better i'm not allowed to make mistakes becomes really painful we become perfectionists and it creates anxiety and that's a small t trauma right so it's it, i want you to pay attention to the to to your use of language and this is the the only thing is is you could say this to your kid um or you could this is not so much saying the words, you should know better. You know what I'm talking about. When you get a look from a parent that looks at you like you should know better, if I'm believing that about my son, he's gonna feel it. It's very nuanced here. We're talking about the nervous system. Our nervous systems are very contagious. If I have that you should know better trauma in my body and I haven't done my trauma work, I'm gonna download it onto Dominic. So my work is to be very mindful of that, number two. But number one is to actually deal with the internal shame that I was raised in and, and heal those attachment traumas. That's my inner work to do. You know, in an ideal world, everyone does their trauma work before they get married and have kids. But it just didn't work out that way for many of us, right? Um, I'm lucky that that happened for me 
my second marriage, first marriage, of course, I didn't do my trauma work, hence the divorce, right? Now I have the skills and the awareness. That's why, um, you know, I really want to help you break that cycle too. So that's why this, this conversation is so important. So the number two is comparative shame. Comparative shame. So this is when, you know, you should do better. You know, why, why couldn't you do this? Like my, like my, all of my cousins are medical doctors, uh, specialists, you know? And so when I became a chiropractor, it was like, oh, look at all of your cousins. Look at all of your cousins. I don't see any of your cousins doing what you're doing, leaving your work to go and become like phony Tony Robbins. Like, Dad, I'm not trying to be Tony Robbins. I want to teach people how to resolve the shit that was downloaded onto me from you. <laughs> the comparative shame is real, right? So I want you to really, parents, be, be really mindful of this, right? Now, you can be mindful, but if you've been downloaded comparative shame in your body, by the way, I'm a twin, it doesn't get more comparative than that. And if you find yourself that kind of person, you're Persian, you definitely have that. If you're a fucking Persian, you have it, my Persian friend. Hello, salam, halishama. You are holding on to comparative shame and you will have it. And then you'll see other kids and you'll be like, I got to do that for my kid. Oh, they have a Fendi uh, uh, handbag. My, that, my four-year-old daughter, so Persians would say, my four-year-old daughter, that four-year-old, has a Fendi handbag? Well, I got to get one for my daughter. You know, that, that you're downloading this unconsciously. You don't even know it. You know, it's it's like I've been to households, you know, where, um, oh, it was, it was one of my cousins. Um, I went to his house and my cousin's kid looks at my ring and goes, oh, you have diamonds. Yours is better than my dad's. And I'm like, oh my God. Comparative shame is real, yo. So, Number two, let me know if that resonates at all with you. The third one is a desire shame. Desire shaming. This is where you have the, um, you know, good girls. Sorry, um, this is when you say, oh, um, you shouldn't be bad. You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't want, you shouldn't be so selfish. You know, when you see a child and they want this and they want that, and then you you kind of like have the desires within you like smacked away, you shouldn't want that, you should be grateful for what you have. What happens is deep down inside, there's a child within all of us that desires, that has desires. But then you get the messaging through body language, through a withdrawal, through a, a kind of a dissociation and a shutting down of connection. And the child all of a sudden feels it inside. The child feels it and the child says, um, okay, well, I shouldn't be so selfish. I, I shouldn't have desires. It's not right for me to have desires. So how many of our students, when we're working on, you know, helping them you know, expand and what they want in their lives, they're like, oh, I can't do that. And it's deep in the body. It's in your body. If you've ever experienced feeling guilt for asking for what you want, then you likely are holding on to desire shame within your body. And if you don't actually address that at its root, you, you know, you'll constantly be feeling unfulfilled because you're going to blame the outside world for not fulfilling you, but there's a part of you that doesn't believe that your desires are worthy. So if you, if you even somebody offered those desires to you, you'd push it away because you're not worthy because of the desire shame that you've experienced. And guess what's going to happen if you don't resolve that. And then you see your child starting to want something, starting to have desires when you see your child reaching for the stars, then you'll be the one that tells them, don't, you know, you should be very happy with very little. You know, don't, you know, don't, don't dream. You're just dreaming. I remember telling my mom what I wanted to do. <coughs> <coughs> Choking on my water there. <coughs> and she's like, you're just dreaming. You're dreaming. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I am. 
And so before that used to piss me off. Now I realize <coughs> she was only desire shaming me because that was her experience. This is how small t trauma gets passed down. Does this resonate at all with you? Right? So number four is moral shame. Let me know if you've experienced that. Moral shame. <coughs> God damn, my cough. <coughs> there we go. I don't have COVID. It's okay. Um, moral shame. Good girls don't do that. Oh, bad, 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 you know, good boys don't do that. Good girls don't, you know, don't touch themselves like that. Ooh, talk about moral shame and sexuality. Pretty much most people that I know or pe women that I had dated in the past have some sort of a story of moral morality regarding their the sexuality. I certainly did. You know, I had to have chastity before marriage, right? So when I had my horny teenager uh, whatever going on um, and, you know, it wasn't, you know, I had to sneak around because it wasn't good, you know, I, I wasn't being good. So lo and behold, moral shame, it runs in the body. Now I, I see the value of it, you know, it's like some of you, you know, with your religious fundamental beliefs and or religious beliefs, it's kind of like a little boundary, you know, just to kind of as a guideline because humanity and our animal nature can get pretty buck wild, right? We can get worse than animals in our behavior. So I see the value of religious doctrine and, and guidance and everything like that. I 100% see it and I'm not questioning that. I was raised in it. There is a fine line, however, between that and, and then the experience, giving children the experience of shaming for their own natural impulses, right? And so that unconsciously gets downloaded onto the kids. It's important for me to let you know because, you know, I run, uh, I run programs that focus helping people who are dealing with relationship dynamics, who are dealing with sexual dynamics of intimacy issues in their marriages and all that stuff. And they've gone to counseling and all of this stuff and tried talking through it. But what they don't realize is, you know, all the talking doesn't address this unconscious shame that we're all holding on to in our own unique way that's been left unaddressed through these unresolved attachment traumas, which have us detaching from ourselves. So if you want to do couples counseling, that's fine. Have at it, but deal with your fucking, you know, trauma work that's in your body. You know, you can't talk your way out of that. There's that that involves a different skill and no no one can do that for you. A therapist can't do that for you. And here's the other conundrum of it within our nervous system. We need one another. I I can't do it alone. You know, even though I teach this stuff, I certainly can't do it alone. We can't do it alone and no one can do it for us. There's the conundrum, isn't it? So moral shame. That's a biggie. Ouch. What what has been the impact of moral shame on your life? And uh, we have desire shame. And the fifth one I wanted to mention is called what we call reflective, what I call reflective shame. It's when, so we have no better shame. We have comparative shame. We have desire shame. We have moral shame. And the fifth one is called what I call reflective shame. And reflective shame is when, let's say I have Dominic, he's my son, and I believe, which I can't help but believe because that's in me, that he's a reflection of me, right? Well, first of all, he is a reflection of me. The little fucker looks exactly like me. And somebody messaged me earlier and said, don't call, don't, don't use that term little fucker when you're talking about him. And my wife and I kind of jokingly, we, we it's, a, it's a playful thing. So I understand if that term, you know, especially if you've had, you've been sworn at as a, as a parent and stuff. I do believe that uh, my, our nervous system state plays a big part. So uh, when I say it, I don't say it in, a, in, in any way other than in a 
heart open safety and it's received very i can feel that he's receiving it really well and so i do appreciate the parenting advice that many uh, i get when, when i hear that stuff i really thank you i appreciate it um <laughs> and it pisses me off <laughs> so reflective reflective shame is when i think that he's a reflection of me and he's an extension of my ego so when I believe that his behavior is a reflection of me, then I start to police him and monitor him and um, start using shaming unconsciously because I'm shaming my, because I have shame within myself as a parent. So the antidote to this is to really live at really deal with my own internal shame of how badly I need for everybody to validate me through my son. And that comes from my childhood. That's my trauma work. If I don't do that, then my son becomes a, an extension of my ego. And I, then I'm not impartial and, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unbiased when I'm parenting him. I am trying to groom him to make me look good. So I use my son as a tool to kind of reflect my own ego. To, have you ever experienced that from a parent? Have you ever had the experience where you were kind of pushed into something that looked good so that you could be bragged about, right? It's not a terrible thing and, it, and the intention isn't bad. It comes from parents that are not okay with their shadows. That's it. It's a parent that hasn't really uh, dealt with and integrated and felt and faced and owned their own shame. And so we then download it onto our kids. This is the insidious nature of intergenerational trauma. These five kind of shaming beliefs, we have the moral, what do we have here? We had, we had no better shame. <clears throat> we have comparative shame. We have desire shaming. No better. You should know better. Comparative. Oh, look at so-and-so. You know, you're too old for that. Desire shaming or you don't be so selfish. Moral shaming is good girls, good boys. Don't do that. Um, um, you should do better, you know. Um, and then there is then there's reflective shame where you're judging them uh, at based on where, where you're being judged, where you are uh, seen as a embarrassment to them. Oh, you're just, I'm so embarrassed. I remember one, one time uh, I was, oh, this is a very, very distinct memory for me. Um, I was at, with a friend and we, we went and he's a rapper and this is when I was kind of putting some rap songs together. And I went on the street with him with his little microphone and beatbox. And I just started freestyling. And then people came and put money into his little kitty thing, whatever, into his little hat. And I went and told my dad about that. And he goes, what? What? You're begging on the street? What would my sisters think if they saw you? Right? Boom. Boom. That's reflective shaming, right? Now, that made me feel like absolute shit because <laughs> the impact on the child is I'm bad. You know, I'm a bad person. I'm unworthy of love, uh, you know? And so it causes us to, in order to belong, we have to fragment and separate from ourselves. And so this begins the coping strategy to belong that begins in childhood that leads you into a life of living separate from your truth. And this is where anxiety begins. Anxiety is the fracture from the self. It's a soul condition that causes an alarm in the body because of trauma. And I'm talking little t trauma like shaming over and over and over again. It doesn't necessarily mean physical violence. If you've been compared all that, if you have a, have a parent who has this comparative shaming trauma within himself and his family members, well, then he's going to download it onto you and says, oh, your cousins are doing this. You should be doing that too, 
right? And so deep down, there's this deep inherent abandonment and judgment and blaming and shaming of, of ourselves because we then start to parent ourselves the way that we were parented. It's very painful when you first realize this because this is normalized to you. You don't know that this is an insult, an assault to your nervous system, but it very much is. And that's my, that's my son. And he's fully self-expressing right now in the midst of, of my little, so I'm, I'm, uh, he's really cute. So what do you do? What do you do about it? That's really the next question. And what you do about it is a dedicated practice. It's not going to happen by talking about it. Listening to this video, I'm sure, will give you insights. Let me know if, this, if there's been any insights that, that are relevant for you. I'd, I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, and definitely invite people into the community. Uh, just invite several people that you know that need to hear this because I want to help. I'm, I'm here to help break family cycles. And most places we go are trying to hash it out at the story-based level. He said this, she said that, mom this, that. And what if nobody was to blame? <coughs> what if we took the word fault and blame out of it and, 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 and acknowledged that there was a lot of harm and a lot of pain and acknowledged how bad that sucked and that, no, it wasn't fair. And I 100% agree with you. Let's, let's acknowledge that step one and then go, okay, now what can we do that's going to be productive that helps guide me from this feeling of victimhood that I've been carrying all my life that's causing me anxiety that I'm repeating again and again and again in these cycles in relationships because I'm shaming myself. I can't get, it's impacting all of my relationships. It's impacting, definitely impacting my parenting and, um, you know, you're in a position, maybe you want, you're single and you want to heal and then you want to have a secure relationship. Great. Now is the time to do our trauma healing work so that you can now have a secure container for a secure relationship to thrive. And then maybe have kids and not pass that, sh those shaming tactics down because I can tell you this, but these shamings, these un unresolved shamings are still in our body. So without tools, of consistently being able to regulate ourselves through them, to integrate them on an ongoing basis. It's a skill. We, we can take these ruptures. If we do that. We can take these ruptures that will happen in our parenting. I'm going to have ruptures and misattunements and arguments and challenges with, with my son. I guarantee it. I'm, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, but I'm committed to re repairing. That's the key. <coughs> because everybody... Every one of us likely have had these shaming strategies growing up, but how many of us actually had the experience of having the, those ruptures repaired? That's where the magic happens. That's where relationships become stronger over time and growth happens if you're committed to the practice. So the practice is, I mean, if you're doing counseling and therapy, you, you're at an advantage because you're, st you're in the conversation and you've probably heard it. You know, it's just a skill you haven't yet mastered. So um, if this is relevant for you and this is something you actually see and notice, I'm curious, right in the chat box here, those of you who are on Facebook Live right now or um, if you, anyone had a question, I'm going to invite uh, the peeps that are in just the, the room that I just started spontaneously. I didn't think anybody would come, but we have a few people. Um, anybody has a question, you just put up your hand and hopefully uh, my peeps in uh, Facebook Live can hear. If you want to jump on and ask a question and, and receive some guidance on it, I'd love to, I'd love to, to help. Let me know. Just put your, put your hand up and I'd love to hear. But are there any questions? Let me know. Um, my mission is to help teach uh, this community how to, un how to kind of break free from these enmeshment dynamics, these enmeshment where we kind of merge with other people's emotions and there's no real boundaries between the definition of who we are and, other pe and our family members, our friends. We don't really know who we are. The big battle cry of enmeshment trauma is, I just don't know who I am anymore. I've been pleasing all my life. I just don't know who I am. I keep getting into the same patterns in relationships. Should I stay or should I go? Um, 
I'm tired of feeling anxious all the time. I just want to have some freedom. I don't know what my purpose is. Why do I keep, why do my partner and I keep getting into the same arguments again and again and again? Why is it that I can't get over my ex? Why is it that um, I take things so personally and I can't get over the opinions of others? All of these I discovered, Eureka has the same source, these unresolved ruptures. And so I created a, a, a modality that is both cognitive and body-based so that we can, you know, change the narrative. Like right now, this is the cognitive stuff. We're talking about it. It's, you know, it's, it's, you're digesting it in your brain. You're probably getting triggered quite a bit. And maybe you want to run away from this conversation and, and, and this is uncomfortable for you. But well, well, I'm going to encourage you to, and, and invite you to lean into that because Whatever has been activated in this conversation is a part of you that's calling for some reunion, saying, hey, hey, finally, I feel validated right now. Please help me. And so it's not wrong to ask for help. It's, uh, it's one of the trauma responses is, you know, hiding and fawning, uh, sorry, hiding and running. Uh, so many of, of, of you uh, that I've kind of encountered reach out to me and ask for help and then say, give me your backstory. And then I say, okay, here you go. Click on this and let's go ahead. And all of a sudden you're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm gonna, I gotta do something. And then I'm like, sure, here, click on that, apply there. You gotta be, you know, have some sort of um, evidence that you're wanting to invest in a solution that you have had some sort of, this is one of our, one of my stipulations. Now you have had to have done some personal development. We used to open the, the, these applications up for everybody. And it turns out people, you know, just really haven't invested in their mental health, their, their emotional well being yet. You know, we prefer then the people who've gotten those results are the ones who've actually done personal development, have have leaned into facing their shadows a little bit. They know that it's going to be scary. They know that it doesn't, you know, they know that it's their responsibility. They're willing to invest in it. And so that's how you know that a person is serious. So if you've done therapy or you've done years of therapy, uh, years of personal development, Landmark, Demartini, all of the, the good stuff, then you're prime ready to go deeper because this is a little bit, it's, it's more advanced stuff. Uh, we used to open it up to the public and then I realized, wow, not everybody's ready because I just, you know, I want to be that rescuer for everyone. And then my part of my trauma work is being able to set boundaries and say, no, that, that you know, we're not a fit. You know, I, I used to bend and cave and become whatever to accommodate. And that was part of my own kind of fawning response. And the more defined I get with my work and break these cycles that didn't start with me, I'm able to go, no, we're not the right fit. You got to have, you got to be coachable. You got to be um, willing to get uncomfortable. You got to be willing to receive feedback and you got to be willing to just, you know, own your shit not to take the blame, but to understand you've been harmed, you've been hurt, it's unfair, and the story has now overtaken your life and you're ready to kind of change that story. You're ready to take that identity that you've had as a survivor of something horrible that you're carrying with you for the rest of your life. You gotta be willing to let go of that old identity. You know, and that's scary, because the scariest thing is, because if you've been identified as a specific victim of something and you've been labeling yourself as a survivor of that thing, way to go. It's not, it, it sucks that you went through that. I'm so happy that you've gone through. But a lot of times people in that situation, when faced with the opportunity to let go of that identity, freak the fuck out their ego defenses go up and they they're like no who would i be without this entanglement with that trauma who would i be it's it's a trauma bond you kind of get bonded it's called a trauma bond you kind of get bonded to that trauma and what happens is every relationship you go through it kind of like because you're still bonded to that trauma you're going to keep finding it another another thing another Trauma bond, the same thing, same thing. So until the person, I, we can tell on the application, they say, enough, I'm done, I'm done. Like, 
there's a there's a knowing that comes in their in their language right it's like look i'm gonna spare you the story <laughs> there's two types of people one story 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 do you have any advice in which case i'm like they're not likely ready because sometimes we become very addicted to the story then there's type two which is i've watched your content you trigger the shit out of me you piss me off uh, i want to turn it off uh, all these horrible things and it's exactly what I need because I'm ready to fucking get over this story. I've been going to therapy for 10 years. I've done all the things and I'm tired of constantly being in that state. And I'm looking to, I, I know that it's in my body now. It's not my fault. I don't want to blame anybody. I'm not even blaming myself, but I'm really shaming myself a lot. And what you're saying is making sense. And I don't want to look, I want to look in the mirror and actually love what I see the end. Except like regardless of anybody else out there, I'm like, boom, that person is ready. Let's do this. So I hope I gave you some food for thought. Thoughts are great. Action is better. So if you're actually ready to learn how to create that secure relationship by healing the ruptures that happened to us because when we're children, we're shamed in these very insidious ways with small T trauma, plus add on the big T trauma. And now we feel stuck in our lives, not able to move forward, being run by resistance and procrastination and disconnected from our purpose and feeling unfulfilled in our relationships and, and the lack of ability to be present. Health and vitality going, Bruh anxiety going, you're not alone. You're supposed to feel this way with unresolved attachment wounds. But the good news is you don't have to, if you're willing to just get a little uncomfortable, lean in, find a guide and a community to help you. You know, I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea. That's fine. There's a great guides out there uh, that merge with community and one-to-one -one type of work. So <clears throat> there's a huge benefit from leaning in and knowing that you're not alone. So the cycle breakers are the people that I like to hang out with. And uh, I'm training a, a, a new group um, to learn how to break cycles in their communities. So I'm now kind of training trainers now. And so um, we need people to step up and let me know if you're ready and uh, send me a DM and uh, I'll put a link down there. Also putting a link for the upcoming breath work. If you want to know where to begin, breathwork and badass. Everyone's like, okay, okay, what do I do? Well, if you're really ready, I'll put a link for a application. But if you're kind of like still petrified of me and, you know, you want to, you don't trust and all that stuff, breathwork and badassery is a great event where you can kind of practice being led. Because at some point <clears throat> when you go through trauma and the shame, we stop trusting. So we don't trust what we see on the internet and stuff. Is this real? Is this guy, you know, just out to get my money? Or is this a scam? All of those resistances are normal. They're supposed to come up. And that's going to be the excuse we use not to trust. But the truth of the matter is I can't heal from my traumas until I take the risk and trust. We have to. Because we can't do it alone. I certainly didn't. So sending a little... Um, link those links down there. Let me know if you have any other questions and I'll see you at the next perfect time. Big love.